While we were crossing the street to go back to my car, a car hit us both. Oh my gosh. Instantly unconscious. And I wasn't breathing. The paramedics and NTs, firefighters, just everybody that arrived at the scene, they thought that I was dead. As soon as they realized that I was not dead, they thought that I was gonna die very soon. Once of those first year, I was in a coma. So once I woke up, I had to relearn to walk, talk, eat, drink, just everything. During that time, my faith became stronger. God, your word says that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I'm believing that today, I'm gonna be able to drink a sip of water. That's all it took. Hey, I did it. All right, next time I'm right. <laughs> Welcome to the TLT Movement Podcast, a podcast for tomorrow's leaders today. In this episode, we have a very special guest. He was a mentor at this year's TLT Stand event. It's Alexis Vasquez. I'm going to say that. Actually, can you say it? Alexis Vasquez. Hello. Yes. All right. So getting to know you over the past couple of months, it's apparent to me that you are very passionate about helping other people. Oh, yeah. I love helping other people. Well, I understand the help that I received growing up and through life in general, that now that I'm able to, I want to distribute that help. It's uh, show it forward, pay it forward, you know? Yes. So what do you mean uh, people that helped you? So I've had mentors. I've had a lot of mentors and pastors speak into my life, speak life into me. And that led me down the path of one Adversity did come or when things did not go as planned, I was able to rise up and realize what God's word said because it says you are more than an overcomer. It says with his spirit helping you, you can overcome all things. So what's something hard in your life that you had to overcome? Oh, you're getting right into the meat of it, right into <laughs> the so. meat of it, right into the meat of it. All right. <laughs> so several years ago, we live in South, I live in South Florida. I'm sure you live in South, I don't yep. know where you live. Wherever you live, I'm sure <laughs> it's beautiful. But here in South Florida, we have a one resource that the rest of the country, some may have, but others may not. Um, the majority might not. Mm -hmm. We have beautiful beaches. Oh, yeah. Beautiful, beautiful beaches. So, I was taking my girlfriend at the time out on a date because she was leaving to the university the next day. Mm. So, I took her on a date. While we were crossing the street to go back to my car, which was parked across the street, parallel parked, a car hit us both. Oh my gosh. So, she broke several bones as did I. However, my condition was more critical. Oh, I geez. was instantly unconscious. And I wasn't breathing. Oh my all gosh. The, all the paramedics, ENTs, firefighters, just everybody that arrived at the scene, they thought that I was dead. As soon as they realized that I was not dead, they thought that I was going to die very soon. And you, you didn't, obviously. You're alive Thank God. today. Thank God. There are over 
one point, I believe it's 8 million traumatic brain injuries in the United States each year. Over 30% of them die within that first year. Oh my goodness. Once I survived that first year, once of those first year, I was in a coma. So once I woke up, I had to relearn to walk, talk, eat, drink, just everything. Like a regular, I did, I did a video for my college upon graduation. And I was like, it's like being a baby, but at the age of 20, because I was 20. Wow. So when I woke up, I was 21. When I was learning to walk, I was like 22, 23. When I was learning to drive, I was 24, 25. It kept going. I kept wow. bettering my, my circumstance, but it didn't come easy. It was dedication. It was like a lot of hard work. What what part of it was the hardest to recovery? The physical aspect or the mental aspect? That's a great question. So physically, the hardest part was of the the obvious walking. This the medical term is your gait. Mm-hmm. So walking, being able to walk, that was the hardest thing. Other than walking, drinking thin liquids like water or, you know, juice or whatever, just anything liquid. I couldn't drink it. I had to put a thickener in it so it wouldn't go into my lungs. Wow. Because that can cause an infection. That's a whole other problem. So thank God, you know, I was able to improve and improve. And I so it's think. it's like really starting back from square one and you have to learn how to use all these muscles even to the degree of swallowing. Swallowing, talking, <laughs> everything. Shaving, like, I don't know if you can tell, but I've been sh- I shaved this morning. <laughs> Looking there, good. <laughs> there are cuts everywhere. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> I, I think I cut my uh, my neck, too. Oh, all the time. <laughs> all the time. Especially right here. Oh, yeah? And I'm like, and over here, I like shake. I'm like, oh, it's the worst. So, how old are you now? Now I'm 35, 36. Wow. So this was about 15 years ago. Yeah. And you Hang got on. into a traumatic. Oh, wow, wow. 30, 1996. <laughs> you know how old you are? No, no, no. I lost count. I lost count. <laughs> All right. So it was like roughly 15 years ago yeah, that yeah, a yeah. car hits you, yes. you're in a multiple month coma, yes. and you age from 20 to 21 to well, hearing three this. Months. Three months. I just don't like to say it like when I'm speaking, because the length of the duration of the actual trauma isn't the important part. Mm. Because I felt hopeless. When I woke up, I was not able to walk. I was not able to talk. I was not able to eat or drink, any, do anything on my own. I wasn't able to do anything on my own. And I felt hopeless. I felt like life was over. Like, yeah, we live in South Florida and there's a beautiful sun that we see every day. But it it looked very gray out. Mm. It looked like it was going to, like, you know, like when it rains and it's like, oh, rain's coming. It looks like that every day, but that was just normal. Mm. So I don't like to say the length of the, the coma when I tell people because they might. Like, the majority, I pray no one has ever gotten hit by a car and is in a coma. But there are many that feel hopeless, that feel like they aren't worth anything, that feel like life is over due to the current circumstance. And what I love to do is to kind of show them that it's not, 
because look, I was in a wheelchair. I was I have <clears throat> there's videos everywhere about me in the hospital and stuff. And <clears throat> I had the power to take like to be able to thank God. Like take a breath. So I love telling you, if you can take one breath on your own, you can change your life. Mm. God. So but all praise has to be to him because he's the one that can do it. You can't do it. I can't do it. Yeah. I, would you say that God is your n- number one source of hope d- during that time? Oh, yeah. By far. Like, yes, my family was definitely there. I love my family. My church was definitely there. I never lose my love for the church and for the church in general. Like, yeah, of course, there was, they're supporting me. My employers, like, the day I got hit by a car. So, production, I love it. Yeah. I love it. The day I got hit by a car, yeah. I got a new job, right? And that job, they allowed me. Well, they didn't allow me because I'm not working for them now. But <laughs> they understood that I got hit. Like, because when I came back from the hospital in a wheelchair, I went to the office. And I was like. So, is that job still available? They were like, just learn to walk. I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, so after three months, you get a job. And then... No, I got the job before the, the accident. Oh. Yeah, so that's why, like... Like, remember in the TLT conference, I would always see the, all the cameras like, do you need any help? I can yeah. Help. Let me do something. I can, if I can focus the light to wherever. Just let me know. So, so production is what you did. Oh, yeah, and, that's what I did. Yeah. Now I'm cu- I'm only asking because I'm cu- genuinely curious. Yeah, of course. During uh, the three months that you're in a coma, were you being were you able to hear? Were you able to think, or or were you just like t- taking a long nap? No, okay, that's a great <laughs> question. A lot of people ask me that. Question. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> so no, I, I was not able to see anything because obviously you're like. To be in a coma is a state of deep unconsciousness. That's the definition. A state of deep unconsciousness that lasts for a prolonged or indefinite period. Mm. For me, it was three months. Thank God, you know, I was able to survive. But during that time, you're not thinking. You don't see. You can't. I heard a lot. I Mm. heard heard everything. I heard a lot of tears. I heard a lot of crying. I can't tell you what was said verbatim. So I joke around. I tell like my family, I was like, so I heard when I was in a coma, if I woke up, you were going to buy me a new car. You know, and I was around with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'll buy you a Hot Wheel. <laughs> That's great. So, so it was hope in God that really got you to persevere, to overcome, to gain all these functionalities that pack. It was hope. That I can see a better tomorrow. That something better was coming. It was my faith in God that gave me the strength. Mm. And so now you try to impart this onto other people. Right. It's um. during the pandemic. There's a lot of stuff happened during the pandemic. Remember? Oh, yes. A lot of stuff. A lot of things happened. Uh, Sean Furtick. He's a. Have you heard of him? Mm-mm. He does like the music. He's like. The church is closed down, right? But he still wanted to have church, so he would have, like, worship services outside, went throughout the entire country. He wrote, 
Trials, tragedy, and trauma have a way of exposing who we truly are and what we really believe in. Wow. So I believe that, yeah, even though, like, this was not, you know, I never wish anyone can go through what I did, but you might be facing a tragedy. You might be facing some trauma. You might be going through something that, you know, I you never wish happens to anyone financially, emotionally. Sure. Physically, you just don't want that to happen to anyone. Trauma and trials, they expose you. They expose who you really are. During that time, my faith became stronger. My my belief, in, like, because I held this Bible, I held it true. I was like, God, your word says that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I'm believing that today, I'm going to be able to drink a sip of water. And that's all it took. Hey, I did it. All right. Next time, I'm right. <laughs> That's awesome. And then the next day, God, your word says that I can do all things through Christ because he strains me. So today, I'm going to stand right there for five seconds. I'm going to go right over there, stand five seconds. Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> and I'm going to go. <laughs> Say it again. You got to, the thing about the Bible and God, even though he's all-knowing and all-powerful, I feel like you have to remind him. Like, make sure that you know, but remind him. So I would say it again. Father, your word says that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Not a few, not just some. I can do all things. Mm. Today, I'm going to be able to do this. We're going to do it. That is so awesome. In that quote, it says that you find out who you are the through all these things. What did you find out about yourself after going through this trauma? I found out that I am... I am loved by more people than I thought. Mm. I am cared for, of course. By my family, of course. Like, a mother and my sisters, like, of course. But more people than I... Than I knew really pulled in and supported my family when I couldn't. When I couldn't help and I couldn't assist my mother or my sisters or whatever. They would take up that man's and kindly give that love and support to my family. Mm. And I consider those people my mentors. Not like I love them. I love them. I talk to them. Not every day. Sometimes every day. But... <laughs> What what value does that love bring in your life? That's a good question. That value, it brings the importance of family and the importance of, of showing love, showing, displaying that love to others because, you know, not everyone has the love or feels the love, feels loved by whoever, right? Sure. And I feel like that is one aspect that made me so, I don't want to say popular, but so, not sociable, not sociable. It made me like able to be in the school system for so long. Was that like, yeah, I was like, I wouldn't let any student get away with anything. Right, they're like, oh, I see you taking a bite of that snack. You're not supposed to do that, you know. Like, <laughs> I feel like that's what allowed me. 
or like they would have to go up the elevator or whatever. And I would say, nope, you got to stand on the wall. The rule is to stand on the wall. And they would try to take a step up. I was like, nope, back on the wall, back on the wall, you know. And showing that love, that care, like, yeah, I'm going to take care of you. Don't worry, but you got to listen. You got to follow. And I love how Dr. Hazim said that true freedom is not having any choice, right? That's Right, yeah. It's a, he says true freedom is having no other option, option right. which in itself sounds like a dichotomy that shouldn't work. But they use the example of like a fish in a fish bowl. If you take it out and you throw it on the ground, he's free. He's no longer constrained to that fish bowl, but he kind of needs that yeah. to survive. Just how we need to set up rules in our own lives, non-negotiables that we don't cross over and we don't play with those boundaries that we've had up. And within that, we can be truly free to be who we are. Right. And the problem is that, that sometimes people don't like having rules and having regulations because they feel it's a constraint. Well, it's not a constraint. Once they realize that being free means that you got to have rules, you got to have order then they, they start to acknowledge and recognize the value in it, but just getting to that point, that's a bit difficult. So you're at a point now where you're 15 years of the therapy to regain uh, your your capabilities. Right. Um, is there anything that still holds you back? Is there anything that you, you still can't quite do? Because you do have this little bit of a shake, but you're still able to shave and right. and you drove here. Yeah, so, so, I mean, Shout it seems my like... Wife, my beautiful wife. I got married. Did you know yeah? I, I recently got married? I did know that. My wife. My <laughs> beautiful wife. She, uh, the most amazing, beautiful, beautiful. I love her. <laughs> She's uh, incredible. She's really strong really strong and another christian and i feel like that is one thing that she said like i feel like it's what attracted me to her was that you know that quote that i said that during adversity you can tell who a person really is Mm -hmm. well i think she was able to tell that i'm not gonna give up during a medical situation i'm not gonna give up when things get difficult i'm not gonna give up until i get what what God has said, what God has promised, right? I'm not going to give up. Like, even though it is hard and it is difficult, like, trust me, right now, right now, I can tell you things get difficult. Things get really difficult. But knowing that that you're not going to have someone that's going to take a step back or lean back because it's too hard. Or, I didn't sign up for this. Isn't how it's going to work. Mm. So that is one thing I thought feel like it's one thing that she was like okay i could do this but she is an amazing person you say that she's strong what's that strength that you see in her so she also had medical issues that Mm. she had to overcome and thank god once again god only god she did overcome and one day i'm gonna have you ask her (laughs) okay she's incredible what ha- overcoming these ch- challenges and gaining these leadership abilities and these mentoring skills, this overcoming, never giving up attitude. How has this 
carried over into your new marriage? My new marriage? That's a great question. So I've learned that, yeah, even though I did overcome and, and did not give up on the physical aspect of walking and talking and drinking water, because all that was physical. I physically had to learn to do that. That didn't prepare me for my emotional state, mm. which was really hard because as a person, there are four aspects of an individual, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. Those are the four differences of anyone. Some people say, spiritual shouldn't be on there. I was like, why not? Because I don't believe in God. There's your spiritual. <laughs> you don't believe in God. He believes in them. Oh, yeah, I believe. She believes in Mother Mary. You know, so there's a difference in, in everyone. Yeah. And that's the fourth aspect. For me, I had all three except for the emotional aspect. Because, as you know, as I stated earlier, that... um. I got hit with my girlfriend at the time. Well, unfortunately, during the process of going to recovery, going to hospitals, being sent to this therapeutic, therapeutic uh, hospital or career, whatever, she um, we had to split things up. We had to split up because she was at the university. I was focusing on my recovery, and you know there are no hard feelings. It's just you know. She, she had to focus on her. I had to focus on me. Sure. And God, you know, we took care of ourselves. So, my emotional aspect of an individual wasn't really activated very much until she came to my life. Mm. My wife came into my life. And I love her. I love her. Because she dealt with, like, every every aspect, every problem, every issue... She understood, like, the the trauma that that happened. She takes all that into account, and, you know, God bless her. I mean, don't get me wrong. Being married isn't easy. Oh, yeah. But, you know, with God, all things are possible. So you've recognized that, that your emotional intelligence isn't necessarily as caught up as, as someone. Exactly, oh, yeah. Because I had to focus so long and so difficult on the physical or the men- like the mental. Like, I went back to college and studied or earned a degree. So, it was really, like, everything was good except for the emotional part. It wasn't up to par. You know, like, that golf turn wasn't up to par. Yeah. It wasn't up to par. <laughs> so, it was like, how do I get, like, I knew I wanted to get married. I knew I wanted to have a family and, you know. Be a dad, and I knew I wanted to have all those. Yeah. But I wasn't really throwing seeds. All right, so you know that Bible story where you got to throw seeds into the soil for it to grow? So I had to throw seeds so the plant can grow. Actually, I met her like eight years before we started dating. Really? Yeah, in college. Wow. She was uh, doing an internship. And I was doing... Remember I told you I love production? Yeah. I was doing freelance work for the local newspaper. The director actually put us on a on a job together to go interview some people. Uh, the, uh, community commerce of employment or something. It sounds exciting. Oh, yeah, it was. Oh, <laughs> I set up Breaking the news. I, I set up the camera, set up the audio... Everything, and then she came. I'm like, hello. <laughs> in eight years. 
Eight years, yeah. So there's that Bible story. You gotta wait for seven years. She has me. She has MB. Has me wait eight years. So I see that you pulled out your uh, journal here. Oh uh, yes. So my pastor, well, one of the pastors of my church. I love my church, Church of All Nations. So they have pastors from every nation. I love it. One of the pastors, Pastor Montesino. He likes to recall the story. He preached one day about the story of Joshua, but the four stones. Do you know, do you know what you recall what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? Joshua uh, 4. So he, he told us, the, he preached about the four stones, right? And then he said, what are the lessons that we can learn from these stones? What are the lessons we can learn from these stones? And I feel like it is very applicable, at least to me, because, like, yeah, I might not have a stone, but I have scars, I have wounds, and replace the actual stone verb, verbiage or noun, mm-hmm. replace that with the wound, right, with the scar. What does this scar teach us, right? And then he said that the wound, the stone, well, in my case, would be the wound, reminds us of what God has done in the past. Mm. So with those wounds, with those scars... We are reminded of what God did in the past. So the first thing he says is that stones remind us of what is the past. The second thing that he said the stones do is that it provokes a question. And that's where I feel my my asset value is because people see like scars on my neck or see me shake. Because you notice shaking. Sure. They see me shake or they'll say, they always see me smile. Like, why are you so happy? I'm like. Because God, you know, you're because, well, this happened to me, but I'm alive. I got hit by a car. Over 1.8 million people get hit by a car, like the same set I said over. But over 30% of them die. That's a lot of people that die. I survived. So what made me different? What made me different? A lot of hard work, but a lot of faith. A lot of faith. Mm. The next thing that the stone reminds us what God will do in the future. So the, the scars. Like yes. We remember what God did in the past. But it also gives us hope. Hope of what God will do in the future. Because like. Because we're still here. Right. Because we had to. Like for me personally. Like I said. These scars. The scars of the stones. So yeah. Like. I uh, trust me. I remember I get hit by a car every. I got hit by a car every single day. I remember every single day when I'm brushing my teeth. I didn't brush. I'm gonna brush my teeth with my right hand like I used to. I had to learn a new way to brush my teeth, eat, drink everything. Mm. So I remember. I know I got hit by a car every day, every day, and every day I thank God because I got hit by a car and I'm alive. <laughs> So it reminds us of what he's going to do in the future because if he did it once, he can do it again. Let's take a quick break from the show to hear from Dr. Andrea Hazin, the president and founder of Elevate Life Educational Foundation that makes TLT movement possible. There's never been a more critical time to elevate your life. We are starting a movement, TLT movement, helping tomorrow's leaders today to transform, step into their greatness, and have breakthrough in the areas of emotional intelligence and spiritual intelligence so they can step out in life and do hard things, learn their identity, step into their purpose at a young age. 
We're training them through different courses of action. We have the STAND program, that's three days with a one-year mentorship, the LEAD experience, which is every summer a five-day, and then SERVE. So they learn that when they change their world, they can change their world, making an impact. There's nothing more rewarding than helping young people discover their identity and purpose. Help us with the TLT movement, getting these tomorrow's leaders today to stand, lead, and serve in their world. Check out our website at tltmovement.com to see our next training and mentorship. And there's a nomination form. So nominate those young people in your world. Let's get them registered today and help us to elevate life. Finally, it reminds us that God is still God. He still can do those things again. Hmm. He is still God. So even though I did get hit by a car, and even though, you know, it was very unfair, and it was very fortunate that the next person that was driving down a when it was a nurse that sent me to the hospital. Hmm. Even though all that did happen, God is still God. He knew that was going to happen. He knew the end from the beginning. He knew I would be sitting right here with you. He knew that. That's amazing. That God's not, he's not just an Old Testament. Thousands of years ago, he was active and talking to people and healing people and performing miracles that it is going on right now. That is powerful. God is still here. Oh, yeah. Still moving. Oh, yeah. And that's why one thing that that I really loved about the Stan Conference, because a lot of it was about mentally overcoming your challenges. Mm. And that, that was probably the biggest thing that I had to face. And what I loved about being a mentor at, at the Stan Conference is that not only are they like do they get preached at by those amazing world class speakers and right. amazing conferences like looks amazing i'm telling you the first time i saw it was like wow it looks amazing not only do they get that experience but then they get to room with mentors so i had four students under my care and yeah i had to take care of them but they learned probably just as i learned just as much from them as they learned from me mm. so it's really a blessing that really is a powerful part of this program is that the mentors that come through, they learn all the same tools. And I love what you brought up in your book over there because it so many people get arrested development at recognizing what the problem was or the trauma was. And it takes emotional intelligence and true effort to break past that and ask, all right, so what did I learn from this? scar from this at home and then go down that that pathway where you receive a nugget of wisdom out of it and you learn from these things that seemingly it's very it's very easy to have that victimhood oh yeah it's very easy to get that victimhood mentality but then that's when i read another book because i knew that was a great segue from another book because once you recognize that there's a problem, you also probably recognize how to overcome it. Because, you know, everyone thinks. Everyone thinks. Like, for me, it was 
I need to walk. I need to walk. Well, how am I going to walk? I got to build some strength. Now, when I was in the hospital and taking all these PT, physical therapy sessions and whatnot, they would work out. And I would have to work out with them. But when I got back, I still wasn't walking. I knew what I had to do to be able to walk, but I wasn't walking. So getting into that, being able to overcome that, like, oh, this is how I'm always going to be, is probably the most difficult because... I was not walking when I got back from the hospital. Cause I was sent to a hospital in Georgia. Did I tell you that? No. I was sent from our local trauma center to another hospital in Atlanta, Georgia. Dang. That specializes in traumatic brain and spinal cord injuries. Called the Shepherd Center. Shout out, Shepherd. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> They're amazing. They specialize in traumatic brain and spinal cord injuries. Wow. So when I got back home, so that my insurance wouldn't stop funding them, I couldn't stay until I walked, unfortunately. But I feel like that was fortunate because it built character in me and turned me into who I am today. Because when I got back home, I was still in a wheelchair and I still needed assistance with everything. Mm. So overcoming that thought in my mind, like, this is how you're always going to be. You're never going to improve. Like, it happened once. I fell all the time. I tried to walk, I would fall. I tried to walk, I would fall. Mm. So being able to overcome that thought, like, you're not going to fall. Try. Just try. I tell this to students all the time. It's not a matter of falling, because everyone's going to fall. And I never tell them that, that I fell all the time. I have scars all over my back from falling. I always say it's a matter of getting back up. How mm. long is it going to take for you to stand back up and try again? Because everyone's going to fall. And when I tell them that, they don't register it. But it really means a lot to me because I tried to walk and I tried to take a step and I would fall. Or I would try to go grab a glass of water and I would fall. So it really means like it's that phrase. Like it's not a matter of staying down. Like you've okay, you fell. Now stay there and weep. No, right. it's all right. I fell. Now get back up. Mm. Get back up. And try again. But being able to overcome that is the challenge. Now, luckily, as humans, because we're all humans, at least I think we are. Uh, we're all. <laughs> I know I am. <laughs> you know, you <laughs> I can only speak for myself. <laughs> <laughs> so we're all humans. Yeah. Now we think. We think a lot. Now, the problem is that we have to overcome those thoughts. You have to overcome the thoughts of you're not good enough, self-worth. And this is difficult for me. This is something that I still go through. I have difficulty doing because, like I told you, I'm recently married. So this is really difficult. Sure. This is a huge hurdle that we're jumping through, and we have to jump every day. I know that one. Yeah. So, Charles Dong. Dongy? Okay. (laughs) Name? Charles. Charles, let's let's call it. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Dungy, no. sure. Dungy, yeah. Charles Dung. <laughs> he wrote a business book. It's New York Times bestseller, "The Power of Habit," and he explains what creates a habit. A lot of times, we know what we have to do to overcome challenges, or to be able to to get out of debt, or to. 
to be happy, to to lose the weight. Oh, I'm not going to eat any more chocolate. How many times have you said you're not going to eat any more chocolate? Right. All the time, right? And what happens? You There's a more. Snickers bar yeah. right there, and you're like, oh, just one little bite's not going to hurt. <laughs> there it goes. Yeah. So he wrote in here that there are... Yeah, I feel like a lot of people, when they think of the word habit, they're thinking of something inherently kind of negative toward their life, like smoking or like eating or something. But a habit can also be used for good things, right? right? Oh, yeah. Very good things. So there are three things that form a habit. A cue, a routine, and then a reward. Of course, a cue, routine, reward. Now, you're saying it's a lot un- a lot of people associated with a negative thing like smoking or drinking or eating. But a reward is a good thing. I think a reward is a great thing. It's the best feeling I've ever had. So what's Q? A Q is what is what is kind of a Q. You know, like a Q, like a, like a pool Q. No, not a pool Q. <laughs> like a like a what's it called? Like when you're queuing up music. Yeah, like a. Like, you know, like, in the acting, like, you say... Oh, that's your cue. Yeah. Oh, oh. Yeah, how do you define that? Your... um, Your motivation, your... your, The trigger. The trigger. Something's going to trigger you to want to get that bite of chocolate. Something's going to trigger you to... My thing is coffee. I love coffee. Where's my wife? My wife... She knows I love coffee. I love coffee. So my thing is what is triggering that desire to have another cup of coffee? Is it the caffeine kick? Is it the warm cup of something? You know, something warm? Is it the taste? Like, what is it? What is it? So once you identify the cue, then you change the routine. Or you see the routine. Well... I want coffee, so I'm gonna go get a mug, put a cup, put it in, warm it up, or whatever. However, mm-hmm. and there's my coffee. That's the routine. the The final thing is um the reward. The final step is the reward, and then like oh yeah, have coffee. So if we <laughs> modify any of those three, then it's all gonna change, and we have a whole new routine. So if we recognize because. Like I said, we're humans, right? Mm-hmm. So if we recognize that I don't want to keep gaining weight. I don't want to keep staying asleep in class. I don't want to be the last one in the line when I run to finish. I don't want that anymore. Like, I want to change. I want to change. Change one of those three. The cue. What is the cue? So for me, let's say coffee. I love coffee. What I just because I love it then doesn't mean I'm not gonna love it now. So changing the cue really difficult. So what right. did what did I change? I changed the routine. Instead of brewing a new cup of coffee, a new pot of coffee, or a new thing of coffee, I would turn on the tea kettle, and then I can substitute coffee for tea. You know, so there's like a whole little formula to everything. So the so the cue or the trigger it can't really be controlled all that much unless you have like mastermind control. Right. But you can change the routine aspect, and that routine will change the outcome. Exactly. So, 
someone that wants to lose weight. They're eating all the right stuff. They're not staying up super late watching TV, but they're, you know, they still want to lose weight. They don't, they don't understand why they can't lose weight. But when they come home, they probably sit down and watch, you know, to relax and watch a movie or a TV show or whatever, right? They don't understand. Why is, why am I not achieving the goal that I want to achieve? Doing the same thing. Mm. I don't get it. So, what, as humans, because we are humans, and we think, we got to start recognizing that, okay, well, this keeps happening if I do this certain routine. So, let's change it. So, instead of coming home and just reading a book or watching TV or whatever you normally do to relax, go for a walk. Take the book with you. Go for a walk with the book. Just walk around the neighborhood. Just go for a walk. See, now, the change isn't going to happen in a day, right. two days, a week, a month. It's going to take time. Like, you have to give it time. And I feel like that's the stage that I'm in that I'm changing so much that I need time. Mm, you just need some patience. Yeah. To persevere. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> Never give up. Yes. Is it that what's t- tattooed on you there? Yep, never give up. Got that tattooed. And you also got it on, on your on your shirt. Shirt, yep, never give up. Is that is that your uh is that your brand or something? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well Winston nice. Churchill said never, never, never give up. So I heard I that quote today in the car. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so a, I can't that's a great claim one. it as mine because Winston Churchill. Sure, yeah. yeah. He he kind of is a little bit more a little famous. Before me, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so what does never giving up mean to you when you break it down to the simplest terms? What does never That's a great question. Don't lose the goal. Don't lose what you want to achieve out of your mind at all. One second. So you know that route that had that habit I told you about? Mm-hmm. You always, always have the goal in mind. Always know that your goal is to achieve this or to be debt free here or to pay off this or to lose this amount of weight to be able to to drive because that was really difficult for me being able to drive that's why I took out the key and showed it. being able I had to take it baby steps open the door I had to be able to open the door sure sit back down sit in the car I had to be able to do that put the seatbelt on I had to be able to do that but the entire time the entire time I had all these little goals that I was trying to achieve, the main goal, driving a car, never left my mind. Mm. And then I said, I'm going to open the car door. Please, God, let me open the car door. <laughs> open it. Starting the car, that was another one. Starting <laughs> oh, it, yeah. Because like you said, I shake. Right. So being able to take the key, stick them in the... That was very difficult. But another thing, I, I yes, I achieved it. So we've all got goals in our lives. We all want to do something to make us better. I think we all as people have that at our core. I guess what I've learned from this is that sometimes our goals, our dreams, they won't be as life 
altering is maybe driving a car would. I mean, that's such a great goal to get that ability back because that unlocks freedom. You might have a goal to switch a career. You might have a goal to do a wide range of different things that you might be comfortable right now in your life, but you've just got to want to get to that goal as much as you'd want to walk or drive. I might cut all that out. I, no, I no, I love it. That yeah. was going to leave it. Because the truth is, you're right. Everything is going to be driven by a goal. Everything's going to be driven by a goal. You got to have a goal. We had a, a speaker at, at TLT, Paul, what's his last name? Paul Martinelli. Paul Martinelli, great world-class speaker, great. He actually gave us his book, Think and Grow Rich. It was written in 1937. By Napoleon Hill. Napoleon Hill, 1937. The one question was raised. What do you think about yourself? So if you are, what do you think about yourself? So if you think you are comfortable, if you think you deserve better, if you think that, for me it was God has more. God has more. If you mm-hmm. think that, you got to start putting your your plans to action. The Bible also says that faith without works is dead. Mm. So we got to put works to what we think, which is our faith. Paul also said that, I don't always get what I want, but I get what I believe. So if you believe, mm. you can do it. Even though you, you want this, you might want this. You don't always get what you want. You get what you believe. So you got to start thinking. Extremely, and like that's so good. Oh yeah, it's great. I wrote it down. Yeah, my wife. <laughs> my wife says like it comes off kind of cocky. I was like, it can come off kind of cocky, kind of like I'm too good. Like I believe I'm the best. It can, and it does. So that's when I believe we have to be humble to recognize that we do need a lot of correction. I'm. Currently taking this new venture into life insurance. And the one thing that they say is activity. Activity, always have activity, include activity. But don't be afraid to for correction. So activity, correction, activity, correction. You're going to recognize how you mess up. You're going to recognize what can make your pitch or whatever better. So always be willing to realize that you can get better. And how can you get better? This is how you get better. And big little pointer thing. Yeah, check. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. Well, this has been a very, very inspirational episode. We're so happy to have you a part of the TLT Impact team Impact. in mentoring these kids, not only in the three days of TLT stand, but all year. That is so awesome. Do you have anything to leave with our? audience any social media any website uh yeah just search for my name Alexis Vasquez um you can find me on Facebook you can find me on Instagram you can find me on whatever Vimeo (laughs) Venmo Cash App Zelle you can find them everywhere guys we're gonna link all his links down below um (laughs) send me an email send me an email I'll gladly come and speak at any church business operate anywhere so, let me know. Awesome. Well, if you want to hire a Alexis to come yeah. speak at a, an event or something, 
All his info will be down below. Go check him out. And thank you. Yeah, no problem. God bless you. God bless you. <laughs> you too. Thank you so much for tuning in to the TLT Movement Podcast. If you liked what you heard, maybe it will bring somebody else in your life value too. So please share with a friend, subscribe to our YouTube, and comment and let us know what you think. Our podcast is available on Spotify and Apple, and we would very much appreciate a five-star review. Visit our site, tltmovement.com.